With disruption becoming the norm, do businesses need to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable? I'm Hamish Coots, and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by Seek. Gus Balbotton knows disruption well, having been Executive Director and CTO of Lonely Planet as the internet dawned on the publishing industry. He joined us at the 2019 World Employment Conference to talk about adaptability, the importance of building diverse networks, and the risk of standing still in this changing landscape. So many businesses are now operated in a really rapidly changing markets, and they're under pressure to transform to succeed. And you've spent the past two decades helping a lot of organisations adjust and transform. But to you, what does transformation boil down to? What's it all about? Well, look, to be honest, I always say that businesses are the sum of us, right? And we can never forget that. You know, a business is not this abstract concept that, you know, and we always speak about it as if it was this entity, you know, that yeah. exists somewhere. But we forget that the truth is that it's a sum of us, yep. right? So transformation or disruption or any of those, you know, elements or even innovation, you know, they start with us. Yeah. Each one of us individually has to understand, deal, you know, come to terms with it, um, figure it out yep. on our own. And then once enough of us do it, the average of us will then do it, which is, you know, the average of the business, right? Yeah, sure. So I always say to people, you know, adaptability or being able to deal with change is something that starts with each one of us. You know, and once we can master that, then the some of us will achieve it. Starting with, if we're talking about adaptability, how important is it for leaders to actually genuinely believe in and, and, and adapt to change? Well, I mean, normally, and that's it. That's the thing because some of us normally, and because we, you know, humans tend to rely a lot on their mimicry. You know, we we tend to just copy, right? Yeah. We tend to copy what we see. So if the leaders that we observe, the leaders that we admire, tend to be people that are very um, strict in their ways and perhaps don't necessarily adhere to, yeah. you know, looking for you know, new ways of doing things or, you know, or they use terms like, you know, gosh, I love this one where they say, if it's not broken, don't change it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I always shake my head and I always um, encourage those people to read a bit around physics and I always say to people, this might sound a bit crazy, right, but the second law of thermodynamics says that everything will decay. Right. Literally everything will decay. Yeah. So if it's not broken, don't fix it. No, no, it will break. It will break, yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no question around that. So you just have to always keep up, right? You have yeah. to always keep moving. You can't just go, oh, hang on, steady now. We got it. No, no, you never have it, yeah. ever. Like what you hear? Tune into more Talent Talks by hitting the subscribe or follow button in your favourite podcast app. Just search Seek Talent Talks. Um, obviously, a lot of people listen to this are from uh, recruitment and HR yeah. um, industry, and, and they're really, I guess, grappling with, with technology and how that's disrupting their operations at the moment. Perhaps some are further advanced than others, but from their point of view and what you know about that industry, how should they be thinking about it? What mindset should they necessarily be in to make sure that they're successful in this period and their businesses prosper? Well, like, like anybody else, like I said always, don't, don't ever settle, don't ever think that you've got it, don't ever think that you've found the answer because you, you know, by the time you find the answer and you implement something that is working, you have to remove it and start again. Uh, anyone, I always talk to people, be very careful with any process or system or software or uh, anything that you put in place because often we tend to worry a lot about how fast we can implement something. Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell people, hang on, think about how fast you can get rid of it because guess what, by the time you finish <laughs> implementing it, we're going to start thinking about the other one. Uh, so I used to challenge a lot of my software vendors when they came to me 
and they would come to me with an implementation plan. I always yeah. said to them, give me, a, I used to call it an explementation plan. Give me something that shows me that I can get rid of you. And you know, of course they'll go, well, you'll never get rid of us guys. And I'm yeah. going, no, 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 wait a second. I can guarantee you I will get rid of you. There's no question about that. So I think, you know, to anyone that has any practice, you know, from HR to anyone, it doesn't matter where you are. The most important bit is don't marry, don't fall in love with your services or products, whatever you're doing. Even if it's working, you know, if it might be working right now, but things get better all the time, and either you make them better or somebody else, so you can't just sit back and go, oh, but, but it's working, guys, you know, like, let's just, you know, let's not you know, change it. If it's not broken, why fix it? Typical yeah, which I imagine is tough too, because if things are working, then generally there's some sort of revenue coming from it or, or commercial gain. So that's a, that, that's a really hard mindset to adopt, it's isn't it? It's a typical tension in between, you know, business as usual, I guess, and exploring the future. But I always say you can't, just because business as usual is working on and giving you returns, forget the future. You can't forget, you know, that you have to continue to explore and, and, and stretch forward. That doesn't mean you can disregard the present. No, I'm not saying forget BAU, you know, business as usual, let's just go and yeah. you need to take it, but you have no choice but to do both. You yeah. have to make sure. So, you know, to them, I, I encourage them, but I always encourage, you know, HR teams to consider the importance of of the individual and, and how do we actually unlock that power in, in each person to understand that all these things start with us. They don't start with, you know, I always say to HR, be very careful. Just because you put it on a poster, in the, you know, in the company and it says, let's be more innovative, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen, yeah. right? Like, so it's really interesting because, you know, I always ask and they go, no, 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 the, the CEO sent the email. It should be good now. <laughs> yeah, no. But look, the, the other thing I always encourage, you know, uh, HR teams and I guess recruitment teams is, to build diversity, you know, I say there is, you know, and I guess we're getting into the future of work, but the important bit about considering how these things that we call companies come together is when you start thinking of them as networks, right? Because when you call it a company, you kind of tends to stop where the walls stop, you know, you're going to go, all right, it's this thing inside. When you think of teams, is the people that it's kind of like you can touch or you can, you know, they're around you. Truth is, in today's world, teams are permeable, right? They, they, they're not only they're, they're mobile, they're international, they're everywhere, but team includes your customer you, you, you cannot have the customer in the team right you cannot have your stakeholders in the team you cannot have your partners in the team and often sometimes I even argue that you know you can go as far as having your competitors in the team why because these days the problems that we've got left to solve in humanity are problems that we can't solve alone yeah, okay. it requires networks it requires teams that are far broader in thought than the way we used to think about them and you've seen, I mean, you've seen media no long ago, they all released the same, yeah. you know, the same front page. Yeah. Was that a team yeah. all together Absolutely. coming and working? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We often need to consider the problems we need to solve these days are problems that are complex enough that if we don't all become part of the network, we can't do it. And to build networks, you know, I always say there's four really important things, right? One is, that, you know, the number of nodes you have in the network. The second one is how diverse they are. The third one is how well connected they are. The fourth one is how fast that connection works. And if you can improve those things in any network, start with your own team if you want, but then go to your stakeholders and partners and customers and keep going. And the more you understand the dynamics of networks, the more successful you're going to be. The second point you made there is around diversity. And I'm interested, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's critical. Look, I always say the, the, the futures we are chasing are, are so regularly changing and so... Uh, diverse in nature, so complex to understand, that without diversity of perspective, you can never understand them or unfold them, right? So you can't do it with the same, you know, gender, age group. You just can't do it. You have to have diversity of thought, 
culture, gender, age, the whole thing. And the more diverse it is, as we know scientifically, the more powerful the network is. So you want to have as much diversity. That gives you a perspective that will allow you to observe the future in a way that you cannot observe it. Because your customer base is becoming so diverse now. Everything. And global and, and everything yeah. else. Right? And, uh, Did you guys feel at Lonely Planet you were, you were kind of thinking in that manner around diversity before it necessarily became, and for want of a better term, uh, a, you know, a buzzword? Yeah, I think, I think we were kind of... Uh, and look, this is all in hindsight. And, you know, I was, I was a young you know, junior burger when I started there. But Lonely Planet was naturally diverse to start with. You know, and, and it was in, in the reflection of... I guess of the founders' beliefs, you know, Tony and Maureen were gorgeous, you know, amazing people, and and you know, you can imagine that they've built a company in the resemblance of a traveler, and travelers are diverse, right? They come from all walks of life, they they are naturally curious, they want to explore the world. That doesn't mean that that you can again settle, right? You know, all right, I put diversity here and it works. No, again, because humans naturally tend to settle down and find routines and do, you know, if it works, don't change it, and so. Like any other company, despite all those beautiful things that we had to start with, we still had to, you know, wrestle with the challenges of shifting humans to to feel uncomfortable to a certain degree, right? Because when you want, when you learn, when you need to deal with change, you need to unlearn and relearn. You know, I always say to people, you know, even just the typical example where. I don't know, even just doing your teeth with the wrong hand or, yeah. you know, or, or, or driving home a different way or whatever. It just annoys you, right? Your brain kind of punishes you and goes, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Just do the same that you've done. That's what we need, right? What does innovation in your mind actually come down to? And again, a lot of the organisations listening today will have innovation at the top of their list. They know they need to, but how can they go about doing that? Yeah, it's a real bummer that it gets thrown around so much. Look, I'll give you two thoughts. One is, um, from a HR perspective, just think of innovation as, as the result of curiosity, courage, and resilience, right? So if you hire or develop uh, or train, you know, curious people, you have the first, you know, the first elements, the first ingredient of innovation. Curiosity is the one that gives birth to, why are we doing it this way? And why is that this way? And how come is that? You know, that's the curiosity, right? Which, of course, as we know, you know, we all know the school system kills and we become less and less curious, etc. Courage is the same one, second one because often we tend not to share. We're very scared of sharing our ideas because we're always scared of what people think. And I would say you need to be courageous because we all come up with crappy ideas all the time. But be courageous to share them and be resilient to patch your ego because it hurts a little bit, right? And do it again, and do it again. So I always say to people, always remember that innovation is a volume game. The second thing that I always say to simplify innovation is that innovation is it's just solving problems. That's it. And it's kind of like a spectrum, right? You solve really simple problems, like you get to work and, I don't know, whatever you realize, you got five people and you only four chairs and you need to figure out where you're going to get the fifth one from and you go and think, oh, hang on, I think there was one upstairs and you solve that simple problem, right? All the way to climate change. That's a really complex problem that we're going to need lots of people and governments and whatever coming together to solve the problem. But all of it, it's a spectrum of innovation. You're solving problems, right? That's all it is. So I said to people, you know, in the process of solving, remember that you always go from from disorder to order. When something is unsolved, it's disordered. Right? And when you solve it, it's organized, it's ordered. Now we've got a process, we know what we're doing. Right? The challenge is that the longer we've been in business, the more in the order space we've been, the more time we spend there. So we find it really uncomfortable to be Because we disordered. like to be there. Yeah, like so we go on, it's chaotic, right? Yeah. What are we going to do with this? Eventually we're going to organize it, we're going to fix it, and it's going to be like, and we're going to look back and we're going to go, oh my God, I can't believe back in the... 
but it's just that simple process. And it goes on and on and on. It doesn't stop. And of course, there's always tension in between the two ends. People that are really good at order and people that are really good at disorder. I'm a really disorder guy. So I'm always the guy going, wow, what if we could do this? And I'm super happy in chaos. So it goes back to your right. diversity point. Is it, you need both. You need both. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what I always say. So innovation is radically inclusive. People tend to think that what they need to innovate is the disorder, crazy people and sneakers and beanbags. And I always say, you need a few of those, great. But you need just as much the lawyer and the, you know, and the architect and the actual, you know, uh, accountant to be able to organize things and make sure that they go live and, you know, get into market. You, know. you spoke about innovation being a volume game and, and, and you know, um, heaps of ideas that get thrown out and a couple that are, that, that are really, really good. Culturally, that must be quite a shift for leadership around as well to give people the confidence to put forward the ideas in a safe environment. Because if they get kind of smacked down, chances are they're not going to they're going to switch that bit of the brain off. Correct, correct. Yeah. yeah, you you eventually you eventually will stop offering. Any any human will stop offering if they're in an environment where the offer doesn't get accepted. Right. So if I keep going, what if? What if? What if? And the answer back, it's, it's illegal, it's impossible, we've tried it before, it doesn't work, we can't afford it. Eventually, you just go, we might as well not, not try it. So there is an element of, of that, of accepting offers and, and exploring them and playing with them, irrespective if they're crazy or not. And the second part is obviously being as inclusive as you can in that process, right? Making sure that everyone understands that, that despite the fact that at the beginning it might be a bit you know, uh, out of control, may seem that way, eventually it'll sort itself out, right? And the right people will pick it up and will eventually make it go live. So um, leadership is one of those things that I say, you don't need to get rid of that tension. You just need to make sure you learn to manage it. What makes a, a great leader today? You know, you see and observe, you speak with a lot of people and maybe your own past. What, what makes a great leader today? The great leaders of today and of the future will be the ones that can um, that not only have a deep understanding of networks, but can actually create them and lead them. It's a, it's a very difficult concept to lead a network, not a team, not a you know a network, because yeah. you you know you need to understand how to push power to the edges, how to decentralize everything, how to. I always say leadership in today's world is counterintuitive. You have to go against the instincts that tell you that you need to set everything in stone and to routine, and actually almost manage yourself and guide yourself through data and through you know a, a world that is very different of what it used to be, right? So counterintuitive leadership and, and the ability to, to, to create and lead and manage networks and distribute power to the edges and push it, it's, uh, it's a bit abstract what I'm saying. I know, yeah, and it's not in a podcast, you know, you can't see yeah, my hands, right? No, no. I'm, a, I'm a hand kind of guy, but, and you know, and I've got my whiteboard. If I had my whiteboard, I could explain it as well, but. But there's a fair amount of role modeling for your people though, isn't there? If you're managing those networks and, and you're pushing things to the boundaries and taking risks, etc., then that will flow down to your people. Correct. Yeah. To create a network, you have to, uh, you know, the ability to provide autonomy, to treat people like adults. How hard is that one? There's this, this one for you, right there. Treat people like adults. We, t- we teach ourselves how to not only behave like kids, but how to treat people like kids for about 18 years of our life, 16% of our life. And then we turn up to work, and all of a sudden we have to be adults, and we're not because we get treated like a kid. So, for example, th- silly things like, you need to ask me for leave, right? Before you take leave, you better ask me. Because I'm sure that I know more than you and I know better than you and I need to check that you're okay to do that because although you manage a $10 million budget, you still need to make sure you check with me just in case. It's interesting because now with Gen Z coming into the workforce, they're going to have 
vastly different ideas of what leadership would look like to them because, and their educational experience would have been different from when you and I Correct. for leaders to pick up on that maximise their level of thought and their skill is really important now isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah this always happens it's just that the tension in between the pieces becomes greater and this is there's always the older generation which were educated and lived in a context that was different to the newer one and as the newer one comes up and evolves there's always tension in between those pieces it's just that the tension and the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger as we go on because you know all of a sudden someone that grew up and was educated in the 70s is managing someone that grew up and was educated in the, you know, and it's and in 20 years time it'll be even worse than that that was Gus Balbonton advisor and futurist For more Talent Talks episodes, subscribe or follow Seek Talent Talks in your favourite podcast app.